Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, we want to turn our eyes to the topic of burials. There are areas in the West, particularly of the country, where they are running out of space in the burial grounds in A number in South Connemara graveyards have had to dig up the footpaths to create more space and families have also had to build up existing graves above ground level to accommodate the internment of new remains. Now, none of those words bring anything but fear, but it is something we really do need to talk about. What are our plans for our loved ones, for ourselves? And do we need to start thinking a bit more about alternatives than simply burying those that we love or, as I say, our own future plans from crematoriums to more eco-friendly options. Do text your thoughts 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. I'm joined on the line now by Breed McGowan from Foley and McGowan's Funeral Home in Sligo and McGowan's Funeral Directors in Mayo. Hello Breed, how are you? I'm good Claire, thanks for having us on. Breed, you have the most impressive CV, not only do you have that title (laughs) but you're also a singer and a harpist as well. Yes, I've got an album just out there two weeks now. So Free Jean is my, my artist name. So incredible Good to have positive on the go too, you know. It's really nice. So when people come, I mean, not that you're, you know, throwing them your CD now or anything, but when people come, are you saying that you could sing at the funeral and you can play the harp? Because that is gorgeous. No, sure. I'm too busy driving the hearse. <laughs> <laughs> I do for my I do for friends I do for friends but it's a it's a lot when you're arranging a funeral and then having to do the music as well it's a, it's a lot um to do both right you'd want to do one or the other but yeah I do mix them both yeah no that's long because my dad died a couple of years ago it'll be his anniversary this month and he was a big music lover and that was really, really important to us. So, I mean, it would have been, they did actually put us in touch with a fantastic singer and it all worked out well. But yes, that's just, I think that's a fantastic string to your bow, if you'll excuse the pun. But tell me a little (laughs) bit about your experience lately. Have you been hearing from families that there are issues with burial grounds and space? So, yeah, there are, in the older cemeteries, um, where there weren't, I suppose, provisions taken you know for for this time now and they're all filling up and it's very hard to get into them but there are in Sligo anyway and Mayo there's lots of room for burial and it's still more popular than cremation and even when a lot of people are cremated they do buy a plot and they're interred in the plot so it doesn't mean that if you're cremated that you can't be buried either you know um but we're we're lucky so far here anyway we're still we're, we're still able to do lots of things. But burial would be about 75% to 80%. Wow. And has that changed over the years? Because presumably McGowan's is a, is a family business. Yes. And dad, my dad, David, he taught, he would have said about 15 years ago, it probably would have been 1% cremation. Whereas now it's gone up to about 20 or 25%. So it's it's lovely all the options that you have nowadays. So it's great. And we say we don't like to talk about it, but do you think people do? I mean, Breed, will people, if they find out, I don't know, at a dinner party or over a few drinks who find out what you do, love to ask you a load of questions? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tend to just go with the musician now. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're better kind of, off. You're kind of, you're kind of cornered. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's lovely. Um, it's it's a very, it changes your perspective anyway. And um, 
I think I appreciate things an awful lot more in this job. You know, you you look at grieving families every day and you just see very quickly, you know, how short a life can be and how much we have to appreciate it when we have it and love everyone around us and be nice to each other. Yeah, and look, I was very surprised at what a special time it is. Obviously, it's a very sad chapter. And depending yeah. on the circumstances, I'm talking about a, a parent, you know, older in life. It's something you, you kind, of, kind of grow up expecting and it can be there can be tragic circumstances, but it can be a very, very special time. Absolutely. Um, and, a, and a kind of a pleasure to, to, to be involved in in many ways. And what do you think will happen when we run out of space to bury people? We might go to space, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, we Elon Musk will sort it out for us. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I suppose there's there's plenty of land here anyway. I know in the cities and in more congested areas, it's, a, it's an issue. It's a bigger issue. Um, whereas in the West here, if there was a graveyard filling up, it's an inconvenience if you wanted to be close to your family. Do you know what I mean? You might need to go to another cemetery. Um, but I suppose in, people could open up another cemetery. Do you know what's this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or as you say, there is the this, as well. yeah. this growing trend of, of being cremated, but then um, using the same burial ground that might increase a bit more. Stay on the line. Uh, that's Breed McGowan from Foley and McGowan's Funeral Home in Sligo. I want to bring in Dara O'Callaghan from Shannon Crematorium. Hello, Dara. How are you? Hello, Claire. Good afternoon. How are you? Hello, Breed. How are you? I'm very good. And yes, Breed is still on the line. Dara, a, a growing interest in cremation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I suppose speaking from our, from our own perspective, we're here five years now, seven, five years, from close on five and a half years, and we have seen a steady increase in the number of cremations that are taking place year on year. Um, and the reason people choose cremation, you know, it's, it's, it's a wide range. Some families will say, you know, this is what mum wanted, this is what dad wanted. Others, there's no room in a family plot. Others, they want their ashes to be scattered. So, you know, not everybody will opt for burial. You know, cremation is an alternative there for them. And yes, we have seen a, a huge increase in the number of cremations take place, certainly over the, 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 the last five years. I mean, to some people, it's still very important to them to follow tradition or to have the religious aspect mm-hmm. of the yeah. church and the burial ground. Do you think the crematorium comes in if that's not what you want, if you want something a bit more modern? Has the crematorium become synonymous with that, even though there can be a religious element if you want it? The, 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 the crematorium is an alternative to burial. OK, so families can still have their full funeral mass. There's absolutely no issue with that. And instead of going to the cemetery for burial, they come to the crematorium and they have a similar prayer service. If they're going down the religious route, they can have a similar prayer service to what's said at the graveside. It could be tailored and personalised through music, their favourite music, favourite songs, singers, whatever it may be. Um, family then possibly feel a little bit more at ease to, to speak a bit more about their loved one through eulogy, poem, reflection or prayer. Um, and then, you know, some families then, like we said earlier, they will bury the ashes afterwards. We have had quite a number recently where there has been no room in the family grave for a full uh, coffin to be buried because the grave is technically full. But there's plenty of room for the ashes because they don't need as much space. So it is an alternative there for people then as well who, who get the best of both worlds. You know, they can, be, they can be cremated as they wish but still buried with their loved ones. And Breed had, had mentioned that. Dara, can I ask about some stereotypes that might be in people's minds around yeah. cremation if they haven't been to one? Is there a conveyor belt at a crematorium where the 
coffin goes behind some curtains and that you might see some fire? No, <laughs> that, 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 that misconception <laughs> is completely blown out of the water. We, we have a very gentle system and, and people comment on this several times. We, we, you know, on a daily basis, we get people who've never been to a crematorium before. And when they come to Shannon, they're absolutely blown away by one, its location. We're on a beautiful setting right on the banks of the River Shannon. You know, it's a natural setting. We've, you know, in, in the time that we've built this, you know, we've put in over 250 native Irish trees and beautiful grounds. We've built a viewing area where you can capture the, the beauty and the essence of the estuary right behind us. So it's a lovely remote location within the town of Shannon. And Shannon is a, it's a very easily accessible town, a lovely town. You know, there's excellent facilities here to look after families who do come and travel a distance to be here in Shannon. When they come into our chapel, our chapel is a bright, open, airy space. And we call it a chapel. While it's a non-religious space, it's a welcoming space. And it's a, it's, a, it's a name for a gathering area. In our chapel, like we have a stone front on the front of our building. But that stone front then is carried through to where the coffin gets laid out in the chapel. It's set out in a beautiful alcove area. And when the family have their service, the coffin is laid out. You know, the family has the option of shouldering the coffin in or rolling the coffin in or carrying the coffin in at waist height, however they want to bring the remains into the chapel, to a favourite piece of music. The remains are received at the top and they're placed in a beautiful alcove on which there's always fresh flowers. There'll be a candle in position over the coffin. And many families then place a picture on top of the coffin or on the shelf. We actually have a, a, a scanner stone shelf above the coffin where the, a picture will be placed. And I suppose the service carries out, however it may be, religious, non-religious, traditional, non-traditional. As we say, there's no right or wrong way. You know, and that's the beauty about it. And we have the honour of supporting families through wonderful celebration of life services is how we see them. You know, they're celebrating the life of their loved one. And I suppose when the final piece of music is playing, we have what we call a, a double curtain system. So about a third of the way through the final piece of music, the first curtain will close. And that curtain, it's a, a voile curtain. So you can still see the coffin while the curtain closes. But the lights in the alcove where the coffin is laid out, they dim. So you just have the light of the candle and the coffin. And then a few moments later during that same song, a second curtain closes. And that takes the coffin out of sight completely. Yeah, so this and idea of, of a conveyor belt and people seeing flames and all that, tele, tele, televisions and videos and movies are brilliant. Yeah, but we've we've moved on and that's lovely to hear. And actually, I was at my first cremation. Um, it was in the UK, but quite similar to, to what you've set out, Dara, you know, rolling fields all around, beautiful light and airy. And it did have the alcove. And even mm. though as the curtain came down, I felt it was kind of sad. Sure, it's the very same if you're at a burial and you walk away, leaving them in the ground. I mean, one way or yeah. the other, there's going to be a moment of sadness. I've one more stereotype to put to you um, or an anecdote that I've mm. heard that I wonder, is it true? Do you, and I say this with the greatest respect to people who yeah. may have lost their loved ones through cremation, do you get the ashes of the person that you have said goodbye to? Absolutely. And Absolutely. them alone? 100% and them alone. The system, the way it works, is that every remains is treated with the utmost of respect. Once they arrive on our door, this is somebody's loved one. We have to mind them, protect them, and look after them. They've been entrusted into our care. So from the moment that the booking is made, they're allocated, their time, and, and um, there's a number allocated to them. And this may sound quite cold, it's the number, but that number is very important because when the remains, after the service, are brought down to the crematory area, there's a stone 
uh, stone that doesn't burn is ceramic stone placed on that coffin. That stone is the same number that matches the booking system. Okay, now that does sound quite nice. And I must say, like from yourself and Breed, I'm getting such lovely feeling from people who are working in the business of the dying and yet Mm. are treating it with the respect it deserves. Dara, stay on the line. It has to, yeah. Please stay on the line because I want to bring in Colin McIntyre. Colin is from the Green Graveyard Company. Hello, Colin. How are you? Hello, Claire. Hello, Darren Bridge. How are you as well? All good. Uh, Colin, tell us a bit how the Green Graveyard works. Uh, the Green Graveyard's a cemetery. It's not like your traditional Victorian type cemetery with all the headstones and the concrete surrounds and the marble. Um, what we do instead is we create, what, what we're doing is creating a woodland set in the nature reserve where people are buried. We give them a small, simple grave marker and we plant a tree on top of the grave. So it's a complete rework of the graveyard system that we're used to. Um, what we're left be- what's left behind after your burial is this green space that families then can come and they can sit on their benches and they can take a picnic Watch the wildlife, look at the flowers that are springing through. And it's a lot more quieter, a lot more subtle, a lot more peaceful than maybe some of the traditional graveyard types that are there. That is so nice. And I mean, a headstone doesn't come cheap either. And have you noticed that people who are using your graveyard would also use a more eco-friendly casket than the traditional wood and, and, and gold plate? Well, it's one of the things that, that, that we say, look, there's no point in us um, burying plastic candles or metal candles or chipboard or stuff like that there, you know, or plastics. Uh, we, we tell people that they have to use an environmentally friendly coffin, be that willow or be that a plain pine coffin. Um, but I, I suppose the essence of the place is that you're giving back to the environment. We don't want to detract from the environment by, by using products that shouldn't be there or that. That, that, that don't that don't break down. Colin, that is so nice. And you're interested in speaking to landowners who would be interested in giving over their their, their land or working with you in this way. Yeah, look, we opened Woodbrook uh, down in Wexford about 12 years ago now or 10, 11 years ago now. It, it was slow to start with. I think probably the, the crematoriums have probably got, been on the same journey as we've been on. Um a lot of the older generation would already have space in an existing graveyard. It's the newer generation that's coming through or people who maybe don't have a space prearranged that are coming to us. Um, we're, we're mad keen to see this um, idea develop around Ireland. Um, we're quite happy to help people who want to try and set up their own, give them the information that's required. Or if people have ground, they can come and speak to us and we can see, can we have some, some, some kind of an arrangement on it. Um, we also believe that maybe the councils at this stage should maybe give, uh, start looking at the land bank that they have. Graveyards are a problem. You started the show with that. Um, nearly every county, uh, county in Ireland, there is a lack of graveyard space in certain areas. Uh, whereas we don't see a natural graveyard being in every parish, we certainly see one being in every county in Ireland. And Colin, and can a green graveyard be more populated than a regular graveyard because of the lack of, of gravestones? No, it's, it's, it's not that. Actually, we only bury one person deep, OK? And there's, there's a number of reasons for that. 
I, I suppose the idea of a, a green graveyard is that you're maybe out of the urban centres, you're taking people out onto the countryside. There's loads of space out onto the countryside. Um, there's loads of space that can be developed into future forests. Um, and it's, uh, I, I suppose the ground there, um, it's not as expensive on the countryside to buy the ground or to purchase the ground or to set it up as an alternative. And are there the any restrictions you, on who can be buried in a green graveyard? Absolutely not. Um, we've had all the major religions um, have used our graveyard in the last 12 years. We've had a whole lot of people with no religion, a whole lot of people who don't know what religion they are. Um, there's no restrictions, height, size, age, whatever you want. Um, you know, everybody's welcome. Uh, and somebody's text in, Colin, yeah. can I ask you their question? Can a green graveyard be built over in years to come or does it become sacred ground, for want of a, a better word? Uh, the, the real easy way to explain that is the, is the planning process, right? We had to go through the planning process to develop the graveyard. We had to get a change of land use from... I suppose, ordinary agricultural ground to cemetery provision. The minute we buried the first person in there, um, it then became a cemetery. Mm. So in other words, for anybody wanting to do anything else with the ground in the future, be that us or whoever comes after us, they would have to go back through that planning process and ask the permission of the council to change it away from cemetery use to... um, whatever you still be thinking about. And at that stage, the council would say, hold on a minute, that's a graveyard, you can't do that. Yeah, you'd hope so, especially as it's full of trees and a green space resource yeah. for, you know, the local community. I love the idea of it. Colin, book me in. Hopefully, I'd say another 100 years or more. So book me in with your great, great grandson. But thank you so much. I've loved talking to all three of you, I have to say. Uh, Colin McIntyre from the Green Graveyard Company, Dara O'Callaghan from Shannon Crematoria and Breed McGowan from McGowan's Funeral Directors. Um, thank you both or all three for, for coming on, I should say. Um, let's get to some of your texts. It's outrageous, says one. You can't get accommodation while you're alive and now you can't when you're dead. <laughs> Here's another joke about undertakers. Oh, God. I knew an undertaker who used to answer when asked about their job. I'm in the travel business. Okay, great. I didn't know where that was going to go. <laughs> I was worried. That's nice and tame. Thank you for that. Never mind the lack of space, says another. The cost of graves is terrifying. Recently paid paid a thousand euro for a plot and it can be six thousand euro for um, a funeral by the time, you know, you've paid all of the costs and for the coffin and, and for whatever else. So like it is a huge, huge expense. We scattered my dad's ashes, says another, in his favourite place on Kalini Hill. I love to walk there and think of him, but I know my mother struggles with not having a grave to visit. And I think that's what people say time and time again. It is that place. But I will say, and I'm only speaking from personal experience, going to my dad's grave, I don't necessarily feel him there. I feel him in his garden and in the field at the back of our house with the view. So I have sort of said to my family, when the time comes, that's where I'd like to be scattered and my brother and sister just slag me because they used to do all the work out in the field and I used to do nothing so I don't think they think I deserve to go there but if you have had a loved one cremated where did you scatter the ashes and how do you make peace as it were with that or 
How does that make you feel? You can text 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. I totally disagree, says another, with not having headstones. It feels like we're forgetting the people. Nice to have somewhere to go and remember our loved ones. I suppose, though, we can mark it in another way. Like, I loved the idea of that green graveyard with benches and you could have plaques on the benches and just somewhere to go and enjoy the space. But each to their own. There is no right way or wrong way necessarily. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We were talking before the break about how there's a growing shortage of available graveyard space and whether or not it's time for Ireland to move away from burials and towards alternatives. And obviously cremation came up and Trish is on the line from Cork. Hello, Trish. How are you? I am very well, thanks. Trish, thanks for coming on. Um, Sorry for the loss of your dad. And you had him cremated. Was that something he had expressed an interest in? Yes, when he was um, when he realised his time was near, he decided. Well, he couldn't decide where he wanted to be buried because he lived in England for a lot of years, but he didn't feel he really belonged there. So he um, requested that he be cremated, and then that we scatter his ashes in the river where he used to swim as a boy back in Cork. So that's what we did. And how do you feel? Because a couple of people text in to say you've nowhere to visit. Do you visit that river and and, and think of your dad yeah. there? Yes, there's a, a bridge that I drive over, a small bridge, um, and we scattered him off the bridge. So I think it's lovely. I drive over it, and every time I drive, I drive over, I think of him kind of as a boy swimming and messing around there. And I think it's lovely to have a spot. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be there, you know, because even if we buried him, there, there wouldn't be much left of him. I think it's just more somewhere to think about him rather yeah. than knowing his body's there. Yeah, and it's nice almost, as you say, to have that imagery. I mean, for some people, the grave is amazing and they're tended to beautifully and it's it's a lovely representation for them of that person and a place for them to go and think of them. But I like the image that you're giving of your dad swimming there as a boy and that it was something he wanted. I think that gives it more of a, a positive feel, exactly. perhaps. And then as well, my mother got the idea. They were divorced, so they weren't together. But because of of his request, she got the idea that she would like to be cremated when her time came a few years later. And she would like to be have her ashes buried in with her sister, who had died as a teenager up in Dublin. So my mother's ashes are in with her sister in Dean's Grange, and my father's are in the river down in Cork. They both ended up where they wanted to be, which I thought was lovely. That is so nice. Trish, thank you so much for coming on. I want to try and squeeze in one more. Aidan, you're live on Lunchtime Live. How are you? Hi, how are you? Your mother-in-law's ashes are, are very close to home, I hear. <laughs> they are. They're on a shelf in the living room. Okay. And how how does that make you feel? Is that a positive thing? Because well, people would think, oh, this well, is strange, but perhaps not. It, it, people do think it's very strange, but um, you have to understand, my, my mother-in-law was widowed very early in her life, left with two two young children. So my wife had a very close relationship with her mother and phoned her twice a day, every morning and every evening. When she passed, that left a huge vacuum in my wife's life. Um, And her mother used to live in Newcastle in England. So there was nowhere that she wanted to scatter the ashes over there um, because it meant to visit a spot. Yeah, no, I get that. a trip to the UK. Yeah. So yeah. She, she, when she collected the ashes and brought them back 
to Dublin after uh, the cremation. We had them in our, we had the urn and she put it on a shelf, just deciding what to do. But then she started having conversations with mummy. And I think anyone who's lost a loved one will do that anyway. But to have them actually there, I think I get that. And I think I get why that can still be a warm feeling. it means she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to travel to a graveyard yeah. or to a spot. No, that's lovely, Aidan. Just, I'm sorry, and I know it's a very sensitive topic you were talking about, but I will have to leave it there. But you have painted a very nice picture about keeping the remains in the home. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan, brought to you by Avant Money, weekdays at midday on News Talk. But we were talking earlier about how in certain areas in the country we are running out of burial space and do we need to consider alternatives? And we were talking a lot about cremation and the scattering of ashes. Well, we've Michael on the line in Waterford. Michael, you're welcome to Lunchtime Live here on News Talk. What's your story? Uh, good afternoon, Claire. First of all, your ladies before you, it's a far better story than mine. So it was a lovely journey. No one can top uh, that. It was really beautiful and no. special, wasn't it? <laughs> puts my story into is very very small but uh, uh my father died of motor neurons uh, 27 years ago uh, in scotland um and through the jigs and the reels i was working in scotland at the time he was head of p at glenorthis high school massive school he had a huge funeral 650 odd people at the funeral and i ran a venue at the time called the royal highland center which was the same as the rds there in dublin we also hosted a show at the centre called a Greenkeeper Show. And three years later, I was d- sitting down in Belfast in the Wellington Bar with a chap called Bill Elwood, who was the chair of the Greenkeepers uh, Exhibition Association. And Bill mentioned that he was at a funeral three years before of a David Garland. And I said, that's my father. Although I'm called Michael, my first name's actually David. And he actually knew my dad. And uh, at the time, he was head groundsman at Murrayfield uh, Rugby. Scotland played their rugby matches. So anyway, the conversation ensued. We had a few more beers. I plucked up the courage and said to him, he's been sitting in an arm in my mother's wardrobe for three years. Can we sprinkle his ashes on the pitch at Murrayfield? He immediately said yes. And in uh, 1998, we sprinkled them on the pitch, under the goalposts, on the try line. So when you watch a match at Murrayfield, he's on the right-hand goalpost, actually on the try line. And um, every time I see the telly, um, I'm going to get emotional talking to you about it now. Every time I see the telly, I think of him. But the problem will be is when I pass away, I've challenged my kids to do the same with me and sprinkle my ashes in the same place. Oh, Michael, this is a really good story. I was like... I have tears in my eyes listening to the girls and I have tears in my eyes again. I mean, that is really, really special. That would have meant the world to your dad, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, he was a very good rugby player, well-known in Scotland. He would have been Munster-level rugby. I think Bill Elwood played for Ulster at the time. My dad would have played rugby with um, the ch- likes of Angus Cameron and Chris Ray, who were famous Scottish players and Lions players as well. They all came to my dad's funeral, actually. And um, he was so well-known. But the, the funny thing is, because my mother didn't want two Davids in the house, my real name's David Michael George Garland, I'm known as Michael. Uh, nobody really knew my first name as David. And just through the jigs and the reels, uh, we were, as I said, it was over a beer in the Wellington bar. And I just threw out the line, uh, you know, could we do it? And he said, yes. And actually, the, the addition to the story is, as we were sprinkling his ashes, it was during the one of the five nations uh, rugby matches. It wasn't six nations at the time. 
And the full Scottish squad arrived uh, under an assistant coach called Dougie Morgan. Bill shut the whole venue, got rid of everyone out the venue, and the full Scottish squad turned up for a training session. They got hold of Bill, and apparently he walked up to the gate to Dougie Morgan, the assistant Scottish coach, and basically coach, and he basically told them to f- off onto the back pitches because he had a friend sprinkling his father's ashes on the pitch. So the story was even better than just sprinkling them. We stopped the Scottish rugby players actually having a training session as well. This is a lot of pressure on your children to, to bring about <laughs> something similar. And Michael, what do you do? I often wonder that when it comes to the sprinkling of ashes because that's one of the reasons we often fall into to the traditional because then it all just unfolds. I mean, did you say a few words? How did you handle yeah, all of did. that? So, so my wife was there. She's Irish. This is why I'm in Ireland. She's from Port Arlington. My sister was there uh, with my mum. My, my my father never saw me get married. He never saw his grandchildren. So he, he, he we were there with two grandchildren. He never saw my wife, my sister, and my mother. And my sister and my mum took a small um, bit of his ashes and they've kept them. They've actually kept them. I didn't need to do that because sprinkling muddy field was enough for me because I go back there every few years. So I go back and try to go to the end where the goalposts are. But we sprinkled his ashes and it was a very solemn day. It was a day like much today. It was windy and it was... Uh, it was very damp and it was very wet, a, a dreef, typical dreef Scottish day. And it was very sad and sombre. And then we sprinkled the ashes and they all flew into the face of my young nephew, who was five at the time. And he swallowed some of my father, strange enough. And that kind of broke <laughs> broke the somberness of the day. And it became a real fun story. So my, my sister has uh, some ashes. My mum kept some ashes and she took some home as well and sprinkled them in a hill called the Falkland Hills, which is near where my mum and dad used to, well, my mum lives, but my dad used to live as well. So she took some ashes up there and sprinkled them on the hill. So when she walks the hill, she goes past where my dad is. But for me, every time we play a home rugby match, I can see him under the goalpost. And the unfortunate thing is, he hasn't made us a better rugby team. (laughs) 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 Michael, thank you. I I genuinely thought when he... Put the ashes there, we'd be winning Grand Slams. Never happened. He's jealous. He wants to play as well, so he holds them all back. Michael, thank you so much. That's a lovely, lovely story. I want to go to Lucy on the line in Dublin. Uh, Lucy, tell us tell us your story. I feel like Graham Norton here with the red chair. Hi there. Sorry, I'm just in a bit of a loud spot. I'm um, actually having my mother turned into a memorial diamond. She passed away earlier this year. And um, she died in Australia. And my sister and I lived in Ireland and in the US. And so we're never going to be there to go to a grave or or go somewhere where her ashes would be. So we've both taken um, some ashes and you can send them away to these companies where they compress them and they turn them into diamonds. Um, And are you having a a ring made or will it be something you'll wear or keep? I'm actually having her turned into a pair of earrings. <laughs> um, she loved jewellery and she loved sparkly things and diamonds. So we felt that this was a really great way to remember her. And it's something we can wear all the time and that we can, you know, be remem- remember her all the time rather than just once every now and again if we could go into the grave site. Yeah, and like I love, you know, very sentimental jewellery. I mean, this takes it to a whole new level, but then you feel special when you wear them. So you mean you're going to take them out and really be able to celebrate your mum. I like this turning something into a, a positive, something really sad into something positive. 
Yeah, and it's something that I would wear all the time and that I will I will like and that I will cherish because that, that will be her and it's something that she would love. Like, she loved jewellery, so... Um, and what's I, your yeah. sister doing? I think she's going to do the same. Okay, diamond earrings. Lucy, diamond I earrings. absolutely love that. Thank you so much for coming on. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.